Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, man. Uh, we got this text. I literally threw back my head and laughed heartily at the urinal talk. Thank you. Yes, if you missed our one of the Armstrong and Getty show, it went very highbrow. Um, uh, you can always catch it an hour of the uh, show at the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. And a number of people with their jokes that they say to the guy next to them oh, boy. in the men's room, some of oh. which I hadn't heard. <laughs> Well, that I gave you my favorite but... one off the air, but how you doing, buddy? Good. Just shaking hands with the unemployed. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh. And I, I, and, I, you know, and, I've always said it's that I'm, at least allegedly, some to some extent, a professional humorist. You, you and, certainly and, are. Well, and like a, a, a doctor, a surgeon. If some amateur were to come into the, the, the operating room and hack somebody up and carve into their organs and slice arteries and stuff like that, just as a professional, the, the surgeon would be outraged. I like to say when I hear terrible humor, that's why it makes me suffer so much. Because it actually, I actually cringe. So getting back to an old Seinfeld, it's like when Jerry Seinfeld was bothered by the dentist joke. Oh. And because because it was anti-Semitic? No, because I'm a comedian. I'm offended as a comedian, not as a Jew. Right, yeah. It's a bad joke. Yeah. Um, but again, my overall point is if other people are happy, and I'm not, which I haven't been for a while, <laughs> um, I need to start doing what they do. So that's, yeah. that's my philosophy. Yeah, indeed. That's really a nice uh, way to look at things. Uh, I mentioned it multiple times uh, to the point of obnoxiousness in the previous hour and forgot to pay it off the flu-rona, J- Jack. Thank God you and Henry don't have the flu-rona. Okay, well, before you get to that, I want to mention the next segment, this coming up segment, we'll play for you. If you didn't see Ted Cruz on Tucker Carlson last night, we'll get into that. It's pretty interesting. Ted Cruz had um, uh, made the comment about January 6th being a terrorist attack. Uh, Tucker Carlson had really taking him to task on that on the January 5th, the night before January 6th. Ted Cruz came on to explain himself, and it turned into a groveling mess. So yeah. we'll have that next segment. Yeah, I can't wait. Really weird. Um, so the long and uh, short of the story is uh, they've identified in various places, including L.A., a couple of people who've had the flurona, Jack. They have both the flu and the coronavirus. This one kid, and this is, oh, brace yourselves, folks. This, uh, folks, this is tragic. He came back from uh, Cabo San Lucas, family vacation, uh, with the sniffles. Turns out he's got both the flu and the coronas. According the corona, according to the, uh, who is this uh, Yahoo? He's the uh, something or um, health authority guy, the chief operating. Oh, he's actually with the, the testing site. Uh, he said, there's a double punch delivered. We urge everyone to get vaccinated. It's foreseeable. It's preventable. But it's a double punch. This young man, and this is so sad, has, and I quote, mild symptoms. But there's another lady with the, the, the flurona, Jack. Uh, where is she? Oh, in Israel. And she's pregnant. And again, this is so sad for a pregnant lady. She has, and I quote, mild symptoms. Okay. Hard to imagine why this is a headline. I think people like the term flurona. (laughs) I know I do. I know I do. Um, I didn't. I'd I'd never thought about this before. Can you get like the flu and a cold at the same time? Yes, suppose you can. Yeah, I was actually the only interesting part of the article was it made the point that these um, 
respiratory viruses are not mutually exclusive, except in rare cases. You, you can get two bugs at once. Huh. I don't I think I've ever known anybody who had the flu in a cold. Or I, I don't know. I mean, I've had colds that made me miserable. We've all had the conversation. They call it the common cold, oh, yeah. not because it's minor, really, but because it won't kill you, and it's common. But my it makes you feel like S. My son's dealing with one right now, uh, and I just got the results back from the official real test. He does not have COVID, so it would seem it is just the common cold. But he's got a terrible sound and cough, and is quite sick. Sometimes colds are awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we've got a lot to say about government and corona response and the rest of it as usual, but we'll hold off for now. I, I wanted to focus on one thing in particular, and, and it's funny. We've been talking about you know personalities and, and the way we are and, and the rest of it, and um, you know I'm a fairly fiery guy. I generally want things dealt with now, huh. and it's uh, to a fault, to this a fault. A, this is a facet of you I've never seen. Well, it's <laughs> truly hilarious. Um, and, and actually, it's one of my great re- regrets as a parent. I was too slow to realize lessons can be taught bit by bit and ah. absorbed over time. God, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because you think as a parent, you've kind of been working up to a certain like thing. And you see, here's, here's where I uh, teach them about the importance of hard work. Like, right. That needs to be done right at that moment all at once. <laughs> right. Or, and it's you know, just not always a good idea. They clearly are not getting what you're trying to say. Young Joe, I wish I had a freaking time machine. I do. This breaks my heart. Joe, you've made your point. Leave it to another day. Leave it. I'm glad you said day. that. I need I need to remember that myself. Oh, anyway, so um, I'm, I, I tend to to be frustrated when people just don't get it including the incredible, grave, brutal, unforgivable injustice done to America's children by the teachers' unions and by government overreaction to the coronavirus and by the the miserable, blanking, mother-scratching, sons of... I'm getting fiery again. Media in America who would not recognize this because they were such knee-jerk jackasses who hated Trump. And if Trump said yes, he just screamed no in the Washington Post and the New York Times and every damn alphabet network in the world. And just, just crushed our children. I'll be angry for the rest of my days. Even though my kids were too old to be affected. I'm mad for the children. But, but, but. Everybody's waking up to it. I am scanning the news as I do every single day. It's a, there's a great editorial uh, in the Washington Times, which is a conservative newspaper, so it's no surprise that they get it. But they're talking about how Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, is tweeting that uh, we must double down on prevention. Uh, we must plan for contingencies, meaning we got to let the uh, the teachers out. We can't make them teach. You got the the, the Omicron. But in places like MSNBC, Chris Hayes, Chris Hayes is tweeting, wait a minute, I feel like there's a weird memory holding of the fact that last spring Congress distributed nearly $123 billion to K-12 through schools for COVID preparedness. That's nearly a million dollars per school. So the big question is, what was that used for? So you have MSNBC saying the schools got billions and now they're not going to teach kids where'd that money go i feel like maybe 
there's hope. Is this the, uh, I think it was Churchill that said um, democracies do the right thing, but it takes them a very long time to do it. Is it is that what's going on here? I I think so. And I think the Trump era right. so tribalized people that they would not only sacrifice their own good and their own well-being, but that of America's innocent children, which is a study in how crappy homo sapiens can be. I mean, that's amazing. If Joe Biden were to come out and, and say, you know, don't beat your child, don't abuse children. Oh, what sort of maniac would say, I'm going to abuse children or say, we can't be worried about abusing children? I mean, that is a serious, serious deficit of of uh, wisdom or, or, or uh, you know, morality or their soul. It's unimaginable to me. That's why I get so fired up that we have been we America has been so stupid and abusive in this. But anyway, um, it's also worth mentioning that of that $130 billion that went to help schools reopen during COVID, it appears that many, many millions of dollars, perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars of that, went to critical race theory training. Which is what a lot of us were concerned about and said from the very beginning, either radio hosts or writers or politicians saying, this money's just going to go into a fund and get spent on the same old crap that they, uh, they spend it on. And then, and I don't, I'm not sure I even said this because it was so obscene. I didn't even think of it. And having gotten and spent all that money, they will then shut down the schools again needlessly to get more power and more money. Yeah. I mean, for instance, Chicago, which has been a focus of this discussion of late because the just the unforgivable monsters in the Chicago Teachers Association, I think that's the name, but the Chicago Teachers Union, um, are now out of schools again in spite of all of it, in spite of the kids being absolutely not threatened by Omicron, in, fact of, in spite of the fact that they all could be uh, vaccinated if they want, in spite of the fact that if you are vaccinated, Omicron poses almost zero threat to you, less than the flu. In spite of all those things, they have walked out, they have stabbed the children in their hearts again, they are on strike. Chicago earmarked $32 million of that get-ready-for-COVID money to a comprehensive, culturally responsive curriculum through curriculum equity initiatives. $32 million of the COVID money went to this postmodern, woke racism crap. You know, I am not pro-riot. I am not pro-violence. Why is every parent in Chicago not on the streets? Yeah, that's It must incredible. be because they don't understand. That is absolutely incredible. And not it's surprising. surprising. But, again, if there is a ray of sunshine here, a ray of hope, as I scan the newspapers, they're still idiots about, like, uh, uh, isolating the college kids if they have a sniffle. Just the Washington Post with one of the most idiotic, ignorant articles I've ever seen in my life the other day. But... And I think it's mostly driven by left-wing media figures who have kids. There is a growing awareness of the horror we have perpetrated. It's too late to undo a lot of the damage we've done, but at least there's hope that it won't go on in the way it's happened so far. Here's my favorite uh, joke you make uh, to a guy standing at the urinal. Oh, boy. That, that I can say on the air. There's a whole bunch of them I can't say on the air that are pretty funny, but I, I really like this one. Smells like pee in here. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> 
I, I, I apologize for laughing. I'm ashamed of my idiot chuckling. That is not funny. It is coarse. It is disgusting. We are so, better than that. So Senator Ted Cruz of Texas ran for president in 2016, finished second to Donald Trump. And, uh, in fact, he said the other day the person that finishes second usually ends up as the nominee next time around. And he said he's keeping the door open for running for president. He got on the wrong side of Tucker Carlson this week and then decided to go on last night and beg for forgiveness. And it's uh, it's an interesting thing to, to witness. If you haven't heard it or seen it, we'll have that for you coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So much of the backs and forths among politicians and various stuff is n- not something you need to pay attention to, or it's just a nothing. And this might be a nothing in the long run, but I thought it was pretty entertaining. Ted Cruz on Tucker Carlson last night. So Ted Cruz, senator from Texas, who is most likely going to run. I don't know if he runs if Trump runs. I, I would know. guess not. Yeah, I would guess not either. I think he's I think he's put himself too much in the Trump camp to run with Trump as a nominee also. But anyway, um, he had called the events of January 6th last year a terrorist attack. Senator Cruz was game enough wait, wait, to call. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not, I'm not done talking. Half cocked. Um, he had called the events of January 6th a terrorist attack, and Tucker Carlson uh, really had a problem with that terminology on his show the night before January 6th of this week. So on January 6th Eve, as Tucker Carlson called it, um, he uh, he got pretty upset with 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 uh, with Ted Cruz for for doing that. And then, as Ted will explain here, he heard that and immediately texted Tucker. And that so that's where we pick up last night. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight. We appreciate that. He joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in the Congress. You're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it it was sloppy and and it was frankly dumb. I don't buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't buy that. Look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now, I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times. I've drawn a distinction. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump 
are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait a I second, focused, but even your yeah. way, but hold on. What you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. We have said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism? On January so listen, 6th. Like, why'd you none, use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do so, it? So, Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. So that we can, said, we, Tucker, can I, we can stop there because that gives you the gist of it, and then he goes on for another like three minutes of just a, a groveling apology to Tucker Carlson and the audience for what he said. I thought that stood out as like a sea change in the way hosts talk to U.S. senators. Oh, yeah, that was amazing on several levels. Yeah, I thought, wow, that is something. The way Tucker's coming up, whoa, 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 that's a lie. You know it's a lie. The aggressive and the, and the U.S. senator, I'm sorry, I, that's not what I meant. Let me explain. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't remember ever hearing that left or right. Right. Well, it's probably worth mentioning, too, Tucker has been weirdly dismissive of January 6th, too. I mean, acting like almost nothing happened and whatever did happen was just fine. So but he's obviously, at the other Ted extreme. Cruz didn't think it was good to be on the wrong side of that issue. Right, yeah. Let's discuss more. If you can't stay tuned, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So uh, I'm at home today because my son had uh, a really bad cough this weekend, and I told the school, because that's the right thing to do, and if your kid has a cough, you have to keep your kid home from school because it might be COVID, so you're supposed to get a test. You can't get the rapid test anymore because everybody has decided the rapid tests are no good, so you need to get the real test. Well, you can't get those because it's impossible. They're all booked up. And so it takes many, many days. And then if your kid might have COVID, there are no babysitters that want to sit your kid. So then you can. And then so everything just comes to a halt. So you can't go to All work. for a disease, particularly the Omicron, that's hardly a threat to anybody. Yeah. Luckily, we got the results back. And he definitely, definitely, even with a good test, does not have COVID. But anyway, man, it can be so disruptive to your life. And not because of the illness, because of the protocols in place at work and schools and everywhere else. Um. We just played a clip from uh, Tucker Carlson from last night, which Senator Ted Cruz, who is a big deal, he finished second to Trump last time around. If he runs for president, he'd be in the top tier of uh, of, of, of likely candidates, certainly. Um, he had called... And what Ted Cruz has in common with me falling in love with my wife. Stay with us. Wow. Didn't see that one coming, did you? No, huh? I did not. Spun your damn head around. I could see it in your face. Wow, I've not seen Ted Cruz in heels. I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Stay with um, us. Uh, so Ted Cruz called the the January 6th of last year a terrorist attack. Tucker had problems with that on Wednesday night. Uh, Ted realized, uh-oh, Tucker's saying bad things about me on the number one watched conservative show in America. I can't have that because I'm running for president. And he decided to go on there, and here's just a little flavor of that. You never use words 
carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. The way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy, and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't well, buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word, you repeated that phrase. I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. So it goes on that way uh, for a long time. But that struck both Joe and I as that's a sea change. I mean, that's something different. You pick your 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 hardest interviewers, your toughest interviewers, your legendarily tough um, uh, journalists throughout time, whether it's Mike Wallace or, 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 or whoever you want to pick. Nobody would have ever interrupted a U.S. senator. No, 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 no. That's a lie, and you know it. Nope. That that has not happened in the past. Right. Now, right. maybe that's a good thing. I don't know, but that is not the relationship we've had uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, uh, and we've talked about how people now go to Congress not to legislate, but to build their brand. And power is not crafting brilliant legislation and forming coalitions, blah, blah, blah. Power is how many Instagram followers you have, how many Twitter followers you have, that sort of thing. Um, you know, AOC is a great example of that. Uh, name her landmark legislation. Name the uh, the time she's reached across the aisle or assembled a coalition that passed the blankety blank. It never happens. She's got a huge media following. Well, it, Tucker Carlson has a bigger media f- following than Ted Cruz by far. Oh, yeah. Ted Cruz is a United <laughs> Tucker amused by that knowledge. Uh, Ted Cruz is a United States senator that pales in comparison to a fairly big uh, influential cable show and a huge uh, following. I actually have to think about this. I'm not sure because in general, I ha- I think that we've uh, tre- we treat uh, politicians with too much uh, treating them like royalty or whatever. In general, I've always felt that way. Um. I'm thinking like Tim Russert on Meet the Press. Uh, he, he would have never done that. He would have handled it in a different way. He would have presented, here's your statement, here's what you've said, and then let the viewer decide what they think right. of that. Brett Baer would do the same thing. Tucker just interrupts a U.S. senator and says, no, no, that's a lie and you know it. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? I don't know. I, I thought it was a really solid effort to pin somebody down. Uh, whether yeah. it was oh, appropriate yeah. or not, or, or better for the country or not, is an interesting question I'd like to contemplate for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, you know, I always say this: you get way more of that on Fox interparty battles among uh, guests or politicians or whatever. You never get that on CNN or MSNBC. Tell me when you'd have. Somebody who finished second to the nomination in the presidency on a show on MSNBC where the host would interrupt them and call them a liar. Never. No, no, it's lockstep propaganda. Interesting. So, uh, you know, it's just a personal note about Ted Cruz because we've met him. Uh, I don't claim to know the guy, um, but he is in person an incredibly likable guy. Yeah. Uh, As many politicians are. He's extremely bright. His knowledge of the Constitution is fantastic, and he comes off as not only smart, but um, reasonably, like, street smart, too, wise. He's he's not just spouting gobbledygook. He knows what he's talking about, and he's a likable guy. 
It, it reminds me of, and I hope I'm not letting on too much, but a hundred years ago when I met my wife, I was immediately smitten with her. I mean, we got to know each other a little bit, and I was like, oh, my God, this girl's amazing. And at one point when we were courting, I said to her, essentially, I feel like I'm getting a version of you. You don't have to try. I think you're amazing. And it was kind of a moment for us. Huh. And Ted Cruz, I'd like to I'd like to lovingly hold Ted Cruz's face in my hands. Kiss him <laughs> gently. Oh, boy. And tell him Ted Cruz, stop trying. You're not good at it. He tries to be calculating. Yeah. And he's bad at it. And you can see it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's too and it's funny, he is such a debate club a uh, constitution geek. And if he were just to say, you know, I'm kind of a debate club constitution geek, but I love this country like crazy. And just be him. I think he'd do so much better. But maybe I'm naive. Maybe the, the world has become so cynical and divided. You have to be calculating. I don't know. I th- what do you think? I think it's tough for really smart people in a populist moment to figure out what the best path is. That's what I think. We're in a real populist moment in America. We're not looking for wise policy or smart people. We're just looking for people that can man rah 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 a crowd. And, yeah, uh, that's it's not his. That's not his wheelhouse, really. Right. Well, it's a it's a bit of a challenge in talk radio too. <laughs> I want to. I got. To, I came acro- across this randomly yesterday um, that fit in with January sixth. You know, and how 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 historic a day that was, and Kamala Harris compared it to. Um, uh, Pearl Harbor and 9-11 and all this different sort of stuff. Our memory is so short on history. I'll remind you of the year 1970 coming up in just a second. But now, Simply Safe. Oh, which great. is a really good idea. Because um, we are going to be talking some about crime, and uh, everybody recognizes crime is up. The perception is crime is up. And you know why the perception is that crime is up? Because freaking crime is up. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, L.A. was just warned, expect record car thefts. It's already happening and on the rise. Uh, I tell you what, you want to protect your home, you want to protect your family, maybe your workshop, your business, and Simply Safe Home Security is not only award-winning home security. I mean, it's better than the other systems. It's also less expensive, and it's simpler, and it's all monitored around the clock by trained professionals. You're going to love it. So you can easily customize a system for your home online in just minutes when you're on the website and even get free custom recommendations from people when you're setting it up. Yes, you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. This is huge. No long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to get peace of mind, home security, um, and it's the best home security. Wow. No three-year contract and no installation charges. Love it. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You're going to save 20% because you own us. Because you know us. Do You don't own us. You don't own me because you know us. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. 20% off. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Man, I'm looking at the uh, the Oregonian. Temporary closures mount at restaurants and other businesses as Omicron spreads. Businesses actually closing down again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, Any. I, uh, in in a free country, I would like to see a sign up in a restaurant that says some of our employees might have mild cases of Omicron. If you don't care, come on in and eat. I'd eat there. I don't know how many customers they'd get, but I don't know either. People are not showing up to work not because they're quote unquote sick, 
because they mostly have the sniffles. It's because of the government protocols. I just I, we've got to move. We've got to move on to the endemic phase of this. We'll talk about that later. So uh, we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of years. You know, where, where does this period that we're currently living through rank in history? I mean, is this actually worse than various periods throughout history? Is it as bad? as Are we, are we as divided as uh, the Civil War times or the 60s or whenever? Or is this just the hubris of presentism or whatever? And, you know, a lot of really smart people. Uh, sometimes on this show have said, guests that we've had have said, no, this is a uniquely bad time. And I, and I think it is. But came across this book um, in a random way yesterday. Days of Rage came out a couple of years ago. America's Radical Underground, the FBI and the Forgotten Age of Revolutionary Violence. And it's about the uh, Weather Underground and the various other revolutionary groups of numbnuts that were uh, setting off bombs in the late 60s and early 70s. And it is one of the things the author talks about is how we've, for some reason, like just forgotten that that was ever happening. Nobody ever talks about it. You don't, it's just, it's almost never referenced. Right. And, and here are some stats for you that, that are amazing. People have completely forgotten that in 1972, we had over 1,900 domestic bombings in the United States. 1,900 bombings. Right. By domestic terrorist groups in one year in 1972. If there were one today, if there were one bomb go off anywhere in America today, and you could tie it to the Proud Boys or BLM or anybody else, oh my God, we'd come to a stop in talking, especially if it's anybody on the right, because the FBI is telling us over and over again the danger of right-wing terrorism and all this. And the media, of course. The media would come to a halt over one bombing. We had 1,900 in one year. To go on and read, uh, read a little more from the book. Um, that uh, but, but The underground bombings of the 1970s were far more widespread and far less lethal, however. Not a lot of people dying. But during an 18-month period in 1971 and 1972, the FBI reported more than 2,500 bombings on U.S. soil. That's an average of five a day. Wow. Over a year and a half period, we had five bombs go off in this country a day, usually at... Uh, banks or government buildings or places like that not a lot of people died people were injured let me point out that they were designed for damaging property and sending a message as opposed to hurting and killing people and the method of the day was you call the bank and say there's a bomb that's going to go off in 10 minutes and everybody would run for their lives and get out so that it perhaps that's why you haven't heard about it as much but regardless can you yeah, imagine? I'm not trying to minimize it. How we would lose our minds if five bombs went off today in various parts of the country? Sure. Come on now. Did you? Yeah. You know, this isn't as extraordinary a time as we sometimes like to think. Well, it's clearly the HOP, the hubris of presentism. <laughs> it almost always is. You know, one of the worst times since the 1970s does not ring nearly as clickbaity as the worst time ever. Or since the Civil War. Right. Yeah, yeah. the worst time since 1972 does not have a lot of heft to it. Yeah, the whole worst time since the Civil War. Shut the heck up. (laughs) I think he went around. Let's go to the umpire. No, he didn't go around. (laughs) Safe. Um, <laughs> seriously, I mean, look into the Kansas-Missouri border wars, all right, and then shut up. The whole Jim Crow on steroids thing. Why, yeah, you ought to. 
We, we do need to talk about how Omicron is making people crazy, among other things on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I feel like I can hear some of you rolling your eyes when I say this, but we need to get into it more later. If if you haven't had Omicron roll through where you are yet, it is going to be disruptive. And not because I think the disease is scary, but just because your school and your business are going to re- overreact to it, and it's going to be a mess for a couple of weeks. It just yeah. is. I was just reading that, uh, gosh, it was in the eastern city. I can't remember uh, Boston or somewhere in Connecticut, uh, somewhere in the northeast. Um, there's still 85% Delta, they're claiming, at this hospital chain. That's chain. interesting, because nationwide, yeah. they think it's well over 90% is Omicron now. Yeah, I was surprised to see that, and I want to verify it. But, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So a brief introduction to the tape we're about to play, the clip we're about to play. My daughter and I do occasionally reference the conspiracy theory that birds are not real. They are government drones. Evidently, one of the guys behind this uh, meme went on Superstation WGN-TV to talk about it. But it's more than just Gen Z's falling for conspiracy theories. Well, why? <laughs> Well, we hope you're okay. Why don't we give you some time to collect yourself? If you need help, let us know in the control room there. And uh, is there any weather today? Okay, so he took a big sip of his drink and pretended to vomit. Childish. But the one part about it I did enjoy was, of course, the low-voiced anchor said, well, we certainly hope you're doing all right in the control room. If we could go to camera three, is there any weather? So I'm distracted. I I read something about the whole birds aren't real phenomenon. Yeah, Reagan did it. The person who started this, that birds are drones... I read an interview with him, but I can't remember what it was. I'll have to find it. It was over the Christmas break. And it actually it actually had a point and kind of made sense why he started it. He he doesn't believe it. I mean it's that it's it's kinda of like the the flat earther people. They don't they don't believe it. It's just kind of a fun mathematical problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 like a riddle. Like you're presented with things that are kind of hard to work out. You know why why you're not right? That I mean they don't think the Earth is flat, but the math on it is difficult to figure out. Uh, the but the bird thing has a similar kind of point to it, but I don't remember what it was. I don't either. I'm not hip to it. If you <laughs> if you do know, m- m- email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I love how these things catch on though. It's kind of like remember when the guy was starting the. The deal where everybody is supposed to rush Area 51 at the same time to try to break in and get to see the aliens. Right. (laughs) And that wasn't real either, and nobody believed it, and nobody was serious about it. Well, the media acted as though they believed it were serious about it. But you still get get many, many, many people showing up and and, and wanting to do it. Having a party. I don't know. Everything is so meme-y now. It's hard to figure out what's real and what's not. Yeah. Yeah, and what no does even kidding. what's real even mean? If I'm pretending I believe it and go through all the actions of someone who does, in what way is it not real? Well, it's something real, um, right? Just not the way it's labeled. Oh, before I forget, next hour, segment three, we're going to talk to Ian Bremer of Eurasia Group about their Global Risks 2022 list. Always thought provoking. 
Always interesting. Uh, stay tuned if you can. If you can't, as always, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty on demand, whether at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you like to get podcasts. Hey, did uh, did you follow this story of this Nobel Peace Prize winner who has a memoir out and now she's getting canceled all over the place? That 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 story was another one that kind of got lost in the Christmas shuffle a little bit. I don't believe I I became aware of that. Uh, Nadia Murad. I don't know if that's the way you pronounce her name. Anyway, she won. Uh, she's a Yazidi activist, and you might remember a couple of years ago when she won the Nobel oh, Peace Prize. Oh, right. Yes. But her her memoir is out, and in her memoir, she talks about being captured and sexually enslaved by Islamic State terrorists by ISIS. But a number of people have decided that is promoting Islamophobia. It's going to make people think, oh, no, that makes people that uh, are, are Muslim look bad. So right. we can't have this woman who was actually enslaved and raped by ISIS won the Nobel Peace Prize. Come and speak at, for instance, a school in Toronto where the Toronto District School Board Superintendent um, uh, ended the student book event because you don't want people to hear that story. Yeah, I actually, I'll bet it was when you were taking a break after your surgery, talked about this in December. It's an absolute outrage. The idea that certain facts will be kept from you for your own good. Man, fight against that. Oh, what a scary thing that is. If you missed an hour of the show, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.